Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Powered by the Sales IQ Are you ready? Let's get to it. Maniacal focus on the customer is one of Pendo's values. In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, Jennifer Brannigan, the Chief Revenue Officer at Pendo, and I talk about the importance of being maniacally focused on your customer and thinking about your customer first in everything that you do. Pendo is on a mission to elevate the world's experiences with software through their product adoption platform. And as the CRO, Jen discusses how this customer focus helps her and her team manage the user experience, drive better customer value, and ultimately better revenue outcomes. Today's podcast is sponsored by Outreach.io. Outreach is the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual processes with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. Traditional tools don't work in a hybrid sales world. Find out why Outreach is the right solution at click.outreach.io slash RevEngine. Jen and I also talk about her journey from HR to sales, what it's like to be a female CRO at a high growth technology company, how CROs should be leveraging revenue operations, and so much more. So please take a listen to the incredible insights and learnings from this powerhouse revenue leader who is also just an amazing human being. So excited to be here today with Jennifer Brannigan, the CRO at Pendo.io. For anyone not familiar with Pendo, Pendo helps organizations deliver better product experiences for happier and more productive users. They are on a mission to elevate the world's experiences with software through their product adoption platform. So welcome, Jen, and thank you so much for joining me. I know we met after being introduced by our mutual contact, Jess, Jessica Kleck, um, to talk about my favorite topic, revenue operations. So I'm super excited um, just to have you here, share your story, and learn more about your journey. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the journey that led you to Pendo. I think you've been there a little over a year now. You've held a number of different roles at NBC Universal, actually starting out in HR and I think moving into sales. And I know you spent some time at LinkedIn, I think over 10 years where you've led many, many different teams. Can you share more maybe about your journey and some of those key milestones that have led you to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So um, I suppose I consider myself to have a bit of a non-traditional kind of non-linear career path to get to the place where I am today, which is, as you mentioned, CRO of Pendo. So I did actually start my career in HR, and that was really generated out of my psychology degree. I always loved in university the study of how people and how they think, how groups operate, what motivates people. Uh, but I always knew that I wanted to have a career in, in business, in commerce. And so because I wanted to forego the path of clinical psychology, I was speaking with my career department 
at my university and they suggested HR. So I did go on to do a master's degree with a focus on HR. I worked in consulting with PricewaterhouseCoopers briefly. Then I did GE's HR leadership program. So at the time, GD, GE was really in their heyday. They had these incredible leadership development programs. So I was fortunate enough to be selected for one of those. And I rotated around GE businesses and I learned a ton in the two years that I was on that program. After program, you graduate to become an HR business partner or in some sort of HR role at one of GE's businesses. So after doing that for probably about four or five years, and I had a great career path, got to work on some really, really interesting, really interesting growth opportunities, I started to realize that HR was not the long-term path for me. You know, I, I see successful HR people bringing a ton of really amazing skills to the table, but also certain styles. And when I thought about the kind of work that I wanted to do the long-term, I really learned about it most when I was supporting our sales organization at NBC Universal, which was a GE business at the time. I saw how externally facing and how motivating that team was. And, and I was frankly inspired to be able to do work that impacted an external customer versus just an internal customer. Mm -hmm. I also believe in HR, you know, you, you need to be very, very, you know, black and white and, and be crystal clear around how you handle emotions. And I found the role of being an HR business partner to be emotionally draining as I, I tend to be an emotional person. And I oftentimes <laughs> see a lot of gray in situations and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I don't know, it kind of, suits me more in a sales role than it suited me in an HR role. And so I did have to make that hard decision, you know, kind of, you know, mid-career is probably a bit of a stretch, but I, <laughs> I had a successful path and I really had to push that, that reset button to make the move into a more commercially oriented role. So that was kind of my big transition point. Thankfully, I had the support of a lot of people internally at NBC Universal to make that move. I developed great relationships with our sales organization. And as one female sales executive said to me, she said, I don't hire for experience. I hire for passion, motivation, drive, and intelligence. And she said, you've got all of those. And so come over here, help me build this new business. I'll train you. You produce great work for me. And that was kind of the end of it. That was, that was my move. So I moved over into advertising sales at NBC Universal. Did that for a couple of years, built a really cool brand around bringing NBC Universal's female skewing assets together in a package for advertisers. So it was all underpinned by some really cool research around how the traditional or I guess historical male purchasing demographic actually wasn't the most powerful purchasing demographic. It was actually women who sat behind them who made all the household purchasing decisions. So we had this great research backed by some really amazing assets like Bravo and Oxygen and iVillage and the Today Show and a lot of our news entities that had a female audience. And so we would build these advertising packages and sell into sell big, huge packages to purchasers who wanted to reach women. So it was great. I was very passionate about it. And so I always say I kind of got my my MBA in, in the time that I was there as I got to learn a little bit about all aspects of go-to-market. So fast forward to LinkedIn. LinkedIn called me up when they were trying to build a new business within the talent solutions vertical around marketing and advertising. And they needed somebody who had built businesses, led teams, and who understood media and, and selling kind of marketing assets. And so I went over there in 2011, which was pre-IPO. The organization was under 1,000 people. 
Uh, I was in New York City at the time, kind of running the East Coast and all of Canada. And it was just the most amazing experience. We were scrappy. We were in build mode. We got to try things. It was it was just amazing. And we took a business from $11 million to $40 million the next year. And ultimately, wow. in my time in that team grew it to an over $500 million business. So I learned a lot along that journey as well in the 10 years that I was at at LinkedIn. And what I loved about that time at LinkedIn is, is my role changed and evolved because the business was changing and evolving so much. We took new products to market. We had tough times. We had great times. We IPO'd. We got acquired by Microsoft. We acquired companies. We launched new products. And so it felt that every year I was there, I was doing a new job, building up my skill set and learning more. So my ultimate job at LinkedIn is I moved over to Glint, which was a company that we had acquired a couple of years back, an employee engagement platform. And uh, I was running sales and success there. And going over to Glint, I got a, I guess, a retaste, if you will, of what <laughs> a smaller organization felt like, especially leadership over mm-hmm. a uh, smaller organization that was kind of really driving toward that $100 million mark where everybody was so aligned on a common purpose, a uh, common set of values. And I was having a lot of fun leading that team in that organization. So that was the first time that I, I started to be a little bit kind of, I guess, seduced by the idea of going <laughs> external from LinkedIn and going to an organization that was in hyper growth mode and build mode again. And so that's when I took the conversation with Pendo. And I met some really incredible people along the journey as I was learning about the business and interviewing and you know, category leading product, as, as you said, just phenomenal leadership team, really inspiring leadership team and, and an organization where I felt I could make an impact. So so yeah, I made the move in May of last year. So it's actually just coming on the 11th month mark now. And oh, wow. it has been just such an incredible learning experience. I do always say now, I think I probably learned more in the last 11 months than I learned in my last year. <laughs> and so I think that's, you know, a good, a good lesson for me coming out is really, really be mindful of where you are in your learning journey. And when you start to feel that you kind of got this, mm-hmm. you know, with me just that time to make a change. I think it was the exact right time for me to make a change. And uh, it's been a roller coaster, but I've been loving it. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, your background. It's just amazing how sort of you grow and you evolve and opportunity happens and you, you know, take the opportunity, right? I think that's one of the lessons learned, I think, for a lot of folks is that sometimes when there is an opportunity and maybe you're not, you know, you feel like you're not quite ready for it, but kind of making that that jump yeah. and having somebody there that really encourages you to do that and support you. That's amazing. It, it was scary. It, it was definitely scary. <laughs> um, but now looking back in hindsight, it's I'm, I'm proud of myself for making the jump. I had a yeah, lot of absolutely. established brand equity at LinkedIn. I had a great role in front of me. You know, I could have I, great friends that I've made there over mm-hmm. the years. But, you know, when I think about all of the benefits that have come from from the change, it's it's not only all of the learnings and new experience sets, it's also the expansion of your network and really understanding what you can do. You know, I, I like everyone who moves to a new job, it's like part excitement and a lot of nerves, like there are a <laughs> lot of nerves, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad that I conquered those and was like, I, I can do this. And, and I know that there are things that I don't know. I'll just focus on learning them every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about Pendo because you touched on sort of what brought you to the company, but I mean, Pendo's experienced just some incredible growth 
right? It's really remarkable to see the company, you know, recognized by G2 as the leader, right, in so many areas, but especially as the leading digital adoption platform software, right, and the leader for product analytics software as well. When you think about Pendo, you know, being the leader in the space, you know, what have you seen, I guess, in terms, I guess, in the market, in terms of trends, you know, how are you seeing it sort of evolving and where do you see it going? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And this was one of the things that did get me excited about Pendo is it's really aligned mm-hmm. with kind of secular trends that that we're seeing where, you know, today you can almost say that every company is a software company. It's no longer just your traditional ISVs that are software companies, retail, banking, you name it, financial institutions. They are all software companies because everyone is driving toward digital transformation. So that's kind of trend number one. And and with that comes a bunch of different data points, like the proliferation of software with any enterprise organization. I think there's something like the average organization is 288 software applications. Oh, 288 wow. and growing at over 10% year over year. And I'm sure everyone who's listening right now can feel that the number of tools <laughs> that you have to use, both internal tools and third-party procured tools that you use to do your job every day, right? And then in mm-hmm. every interaction that you have, even outside of business, whether it's your banking, whether it's shopping, whether it's dating, <laughs> whether it's ordering yeah. food, whether it's hailing a taxi ride, like everything is driven by software now, every experience. And with these software experiences, kind of almost replacing or maybe replacing isn't the right word, but enhancing or complementing human experiences, the actual end user's experience with that software is so critical. And, you know, our our bar has risen in terms of how we want to interact with software and how we want our software to look and feel and flow when we're in there. And I think a lot of that's been driven by, you know, really high quality consumer applications that we use, you know, like they become very easy and seamless. You use Instagram and it's, it's, you know, targeted to you or Netflix and it's, it's highly personalized and relevant and a smooth experience. You don't want to go in then to a business application and be completely confounded as to how you operate within that application. And so I think that's where Pendo really just does an incredible job. Not only does it help product builders create beautiful experiences, targeted, personalized experiences by having the data and analytics as to how your users are interacting, but then you can communicate with them within the application two-way. Not only can you help guide them to the best features and to the ideal workflows, but then you can also gather their feedbacks that you can continue to improve upon your product. So it becomes a virtuous cycle. And then on the internal application side, which is our digital adoption product, it's same value proposition, but for internal use cases. It's so someone like me or my head of RevOps can manage our sales tech stack and say, mm-hmm. here are all the tools that we have. What's being used successfully? What's not being used successfully? Where do we need our teams to be more productive? Or where do we need them to adopt certain features and really be able to, again, create that seamless, beautiful experience with your internal software tech stack? And so you can imagine the value prop there for someone in a role like yours, Rosalyn, or in mine, or if you're... <laughs> EIO looking across the entire enterprise at all the software applications. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. The tech stack, just the number that you quoted, the 200 and what was it, 88? Uh-huh. I feel <laughs> that, right? I think we all feel that. It's 
definitely when we log in, it's like, oh, there's just so many apps to manage in personal so life as well. As- and, and, and you can imagine, you know, coming into Pendo, I look at my tech stack and I'm like, holy moly, we have so much. <laughs> Who's even using this stuff? <laughs> and, and how do I simplify, right? There's also a real yeah. beauty in simplification and just making it very easy. Like these are the six tools that you need to do your job every day. But, you know, there's so much out there right now and you want to try different things and and so, yeah, it, it sometimes can become very overwhelming and difficult to manage. And Pendo really helps you to harness that. Great. I love that. You know, when we talk about G2 kind of being that leader, you know, I think the really great thing about G2 is is it's actually ratings from, you know, actual customers, actual users. And I love that. And I think, you know, Pendo has some incredible customers, right? I saw you have Okta and Cisco and Coupa, you know, Salesforce and just so many, so many more. Um, you know, what are you seeing, I guess, in organizations, you know, what are they doing right when it comes to that product experience and engagement? And what are you seeing companies doing wrong? Yeah. Well, thank you for calling that out. First of all, we do have great, great customers, lots of advocates and champions, and we have a really fun, like, how do I pendo site on our, on, or like microsite on, on our website, because everyone can use the application in so many different ways and different things that folks have hacked using pendo is actually pretty cool. But when we talk about, you know, what we see that organizations are doing well and, and what they're doing poorly at is, 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 you know, focusing on feature launch, first of all, rather than mm-hmm. actually delivering value. And so it's, you know, I got to get this feature out. I got to get this feature out. I've got a deadline, but, you know, focusing on launches versus on the actual value delivery, I think is, is something that can be a big miss and not managing toward user experience in everything that you do. And then, you know, where an organization I think can do really well is, is really embracing the whole movement of being product led and, and being product-led is not just about your product. <laughs> it's not just about having a great product. Like being product-led is, is a mentality or it's a philosophy. And it's it's allowing your product to lead through every function in your organization. It's it's your product leads your customer success. It's your product leads sales. And, and I think all of that, when you are focusing on value delivery, it actually starts to come very naturally because you are meeting your users where they are, which is in your application. Yep. I love that. I love that. I think we're seeing a lot more of that. And I think we're seeing a lot of this, you know, product led or product led growth as sort of almost like a buzzword in some cases where folks maybe aren't really using it, you know, in the true way of delivering value, right. For those users. As I love that. That's great feedback. I guess along maybe the same lines about customer, you know, what is your philosophy around, you know, driving customer success, driving that value that you mentioned, and then how has that contributed to revenue acceleration? Yeah. So we have a core value at Pendo, which is called maniacal focus on the customer. And we, we really try to embrace that in everything that we do, you know, like any organization that, you know, truly lives by their values, anything that you do should be looked at through the lens of those values. And, you know, having maniacal focus on customer there looking at us every day is, is incredibly critical. And it's, it's kind of become a North star for business decisions that we make. How will this impact the customer? We do a lot of talking to our customers. It's actually become a very big priority for our C-suite, you know, to be spending 20% of our time with customers, just talking, listening, learning, as that in fact should really be driving our product roadmap 
We should be listening to our customers, both in our application and outside of our application and, and deeply understanding what they care about, where they see value and where they don't see value. And so we do a lot of customer advocacy programs, customer communities as well. Our CS team is, is diligent about using Pendo to deeply understand how <laughs> our customers and, you know, married with their kind of metadata at, at what different levels and functions, how they're using our products so that we are continuously having the right conversations with them and, you know, ensuring that in every interaction they feel that, you know, we are one, listening to them and then two, delivering value. And, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of success. We have, we've strong retention, um, among our customers. And I think it is because a, you know, we care so much and B our product is designed to do that itself. And so (laughs) when you have a product around delivering value for end users and customers, you better be using it yourself and drinking your own champagne. Love that. Love that. Good. You know, everyone is looking to drive more revenue, right? You touched on sort of that customer experience and retention, which is really important. Obviously, net new customer acquisition, you know, is also critical expansion within that install base with your happy customers. And then, as you mentioned, retention, right, of those existing customers and keeping them happy and successful. So from, I guess, from your perspective, what do you think, you know, what should other CROs really be thinking about today to really drive more revenue? You know, are there maybe, you know, top two or three things that you would recommend? Yeah. So, so I will first start back where we just were around (laughs) customer value. Like you need to be living and breathing customer value. Am I delivering value to my customers every day? Because that gets to kind of the second two things, which you mentioned, which are one retention, right? It all does have Mm -hmm. to start with retention because you can't expand customers that you're not retaining, right? Right, And then thinking about how you actually earn the right to have that expansion conversation, how customers do fall in love with the value that you're delivering and want you to be able to do more with them. And that's super important with Pendo because oftentimes we start on one application or in one product line within an organization. And we do need that, that customer to become a champion for us across the rest of their enterprise to help us have conversations with other application owners so that we can talk through where, how Pendo can deliver value, you know, beyond just your business line or beyond this kind of, beyond your business into another business. And so, you know, we, we really do need to be continuously focusing on value. Secondly, from, you know, a revenue leadership perspective, I think it's really understanding your, your key inputs. Like, what do your reps need to do? What are the inputs that lead to the outputs that you need? So as an example, thinking through your kind of activity and pipeline metrics and just knowing that inside and out and being able to provide visibility to your sales team on what it's almost codifying and creating a playbook. Like, what do you need to do to be able to successfully hit your number? Because, you know, when I think about hitting my number and driving growth, it's about making my team successful and creating a winning locker room culture. And the more people mm-hmm. that are hitting their number and are successful, the faster growth we're going to see. And it's really just about being able to be super prescriptive and ensure that we are generating the right pipeline and giving them the right kind of activity metrics and tools to be successful. And then I guess finally, kind of thinking a little bit more long-term, it's it's really always having a focus on what are your next frontiers? Like, how do you continue to feed, you know, whatever percentage it is growth in a he had count year over year? Like, if you want to continue to grow your business at a certain percentage, you're going to need to continue to add a he had count. And what do you need to be able to create the right size territories and the right 
kind of tools in the bag for them to sell. And so whether that's a new product that we're launching or whether it's a new market that we're going to enter, roadmap that we're building to, it's consistently having your eyes on what your longer term growth levers are going to be. So maybe maybe you're expanding to a different market. Maybe you're opening up a, a new kind of partner channel, but really thinking through your long-term growth levers and ensuring you're not so focused on the near term, which was kind of my number two, that you have, mm-hmm. you're not sacrificing number three for number two. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Those are great tips. I love that. I think it's really good insights. I think from a you know sales leadership or revenue leadership, I should say perspective around always kind of helping your team be successful and always being very intentional and prescriptive, as you said really helping them be successful. That's great. I love that. So let's pivot a bit to operations. So as you know, you know, I've been sort of on my soapbox for the last couple of years talking about and promoting revenue operations, right? Always talking about the people and the function and, you know, how, you know, selfishly, I always think of RevOps as sort of that, you know, powerful sort of secret weapon. And maybe mm-hmm. it's not that secret anymore because everybody is talking about it. <laughs> but, you know, that sort of secret weapon for the revenue team, right? And especially for you, you know, in your role as the CRO. I, you know, we've talked about this before. I think, you know, that RevOps leader and the CRO, that partnership and that collaboration and just being sort of that chief of staff person that really, you know, helps helps the CRO be successful and helps the team be successful. So what are your thoughts, I guess, on how, uh, you know, another CRO, you know, a CRO can really best leverage that operations function to help enable and optimize the revenue team. Yeah, I, I love that. It's no longer really a secret <laughs> weapon. <laughs> I keep laughing. It's one of those things that my kids would say, what is it like? I-Y-K-Y-K. Like if you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, if you know the value that RevOps can deliver for you, you know, <laughs> you know when you do have it and you know when you don't have it. And, you know, I have yeah. the pleasure of coming from an organization, I mean, LinkedIn as a whole, that just really believes in the power and the leverage that a super strong RevOps organization can deliver for a commercial leader. And so I had the luxury of working with some incredibly strong ops folks in my past who not only helped with the things that I think people would consider more traditional ops stuff like systems and territory planning and quota setting, but could be strategic business partners. And, you know, back to that, like, what are the next frontiers? Like, help me plan for that and think about that and generate hypotheses and use data to either kind of refute or to uh, corroborate that hypothesis. And, you know, I really love thinking about, you know, my RevOps partner being the the yin to my yang, you know, like it should be a partnership <laughs> yeah. where, you know, I can generate all the like, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And, and my <laughs> RevOps partner would be like, actually, that's a terrible idea. And this is a great idea. And, 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 and a healthy tension. I always kind of quantify it or qualify it as a healthy tension in the sense that, mm. you know, there's the, there's the, business ideas and then there's the data and the and the reality that supports it. And I really kind of think of the RevOps partnership as the the partnership that really helps ground ideas and data and then helps operationalize those ideas. And so, you know, I I, I think it's probably still a little bit of one of the most underappreciated functions <laughs> in a technology company, but I'm I'm really thrilled that the profile of RevOps is continuing to um, be on the rise. And I think a lot of that, uh, Rosalind, is thanks to the the work that you're doing and creating content like this and helping people be inspired and really understand the value that that RevOps can deliver. And I think it's not just for the CRO. I think it's up and down the stack. You know, my, my, if I could paint my dreams and and we're getting there, we didn't have this when I started at Pendo, but we're getting there is, you know, aligning a sales ops business partner or RevOps business partner to every 
VP for every segment mm-hmm. so that they have someone who is their kind of COO, their operational business partner who understands their business in and out, who's you know consistently looking at all the, the key performance metrics, who's participating on the forecast call and bringing that that science to the art of forecasting, but who's also identifying strategic growth levers or pointing out potentially impending risks, like looking around corners to see what could be coming and really partnering at the VP level as to, you know, what should we be thinking about to continue to grow this business over the next six quarters? Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. So let's switch gears one more time. I love, I could probably talk about ops for the next 30 minutes with you (laughs) or longer, but let's shift gears just a little bit and let's talk about something that, you know, I think this topic, hopefully maybe sometime in the future won't even be a topic to talk about. You know, I think, you know, in today's world, I think sales, you know, is still a primarily male-dominated field, right? Especially as you look at sales leadership roles and as you sort of move up the ranks, you see less female leaders. You know, and as a RevOps leader, you know, there's been many times where I'm the only only woman in the room, right, as well. So as a woman, you know, in a CRO role at a, you know, high growth technology company, you know, what advice do you have, I guess, for other women who are really looking to elevate their career and sort of continue to move up that ladder? Yeah, I've been there in that room with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. You know, the the good news is, I, I love your point around hopefully this is a conversation that we don't have to have in the future. And I think slowly, but surely we're getting there, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I can really feel it acutely when I'm recruiting for leadership mm-hmm. roles and how difficult it is still today to get a balanced slate from a gender perspective to fill an open role. And, and it's just going to take some time because there's lots of years of, of work that, you know, we, we have to build toward. I won't say we have to undo. It's just, you know, we're, we're still we're, we're still playing a bit of catch up. You know, hopefully we can start to accelerate that over the coming years with more and more women kind of elevating to senior leadership roles with support from women in senior leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I would give advice as to, you know, what should women continue to do, it's take a risk put yourself out there, get uncomfortable. There are many, many folks who are looking to continue to elevate women into more senior leadership roles. And I think women tend to, I'm sure you've heard this old adage before, like if a, if a man has, you know, 60% of the qualifications for a job, he's like gung ho going forward. Yeah. where women could have like 89% and be like, Ooh, I probably shouldn't go for that job. I just like haven't ticked yep. that one box. And, and you just have to get over that. We all have to get over that. We have to lose our inhibitions a little bit. We have to just be brave and put ourselves out there. And maybe it's not that exact role that you get, but you've, you've established that you're out there and that you're ready and that you want to kind of climb and grow in your career. And so I think, um, there's a few instances in my career where I can look back and out of fear of not being perfect, I didn't go for something that I probably should have gone for, or I just assumed that other people were more qualified or better. And we just need to shed that. We need to shed that armor, shed that skin. And we just need to, to be brave. And then finally, like find, find another strong female leader, reach out to them. Even if you don't know them, I did this when I was moving over to Pendo. I heard a podcast. I was inspired by a woman. I reached out to her and I said, can I use you as a mentor? Can you help me? Mm -hmm. I'm moving into my first ever kind of startup tech CRO role. You've done this before. Will you mentor me? And this person, you know, I'm grateful. They said, absolutely, no problem. It's amazing how many people are out there who are willing to invest the time to help other women grow in their career, climb the ladder, you know, build their confidence and succeed in roles. And so don't be afraid to 
reach out to other female mentors. Yep. I love that. And that's actually, that's really great advice. I actually give that piece of advice quite a bit too, about just being brave, you know, and get comfortable with being uncomfortable and exactly that point around asking, you know, looking at somebody who's kind of in that role where you want to be or has done what you're looking to do and reach out because I think people will really be surprised how often another person will say, sure, I can take, you know, 30 minutes a month or, you know, 20 minutes every two months or whatever it is to just be that mentor and be that sounding board for support and be a champion, right? For that's you. Right. I think that's and and if you don't thing. ask, you'll never know, right? Exactly. And if you don't go for a job, you'll never know if you weren't qualified for it. And so it's, that's it's right. really just about, yeah, just putting yourself out there and making the ask. I love that. All right. So, well, as I think about, you know, the revenue engine in this podcast, I'm always hoping others will be able to really learn how to accelerate revenue growth, right? Empower that revenue engine. And I feel like you've given so many good insights. I can't wait to like kind of go back and listen to all of the different things that you shared, because I think a lot of the things, especially around customers, just super important. And I think people tend to kind of get busy in their day and they forget about that. But, you know, if there was maybe one piece of advice that you would give, you know, to another revenue leader or another CRO, you know, sort of that one thing that really makes all the difference, what would that be? Yeah. And, and it's interesting because this is kind of the, the one thing that's the most important to me. And I don't think we've touched on it yet, which is you've got to create a culture that inspires, motivates, attracts and retains talent. You create a great culture where people feel set up for success and they want to succeed for the business, for the mission, for the purpose of the company, then you'll win every day over a great strategy. And so it's really about understanding what kind of culture you want to build and leaning in hard to that Mm -hmm. and thinking about it, breathing it, living it every day and reinforcing it every day. And that was super important to me coming over to Pendo. And it's been important to me in every role that I've had from a sales leadership perspective. And I was lucky to learn from at LinkedIn, which I would say is arguably one of the best kind of cultures in technology, but it, it it's incredible how powerful and how important it is for people's happiness, well-being and ability to succeed and to drive results. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Well, is there anything that you maybe wish you knew earlier or maybe you might do differently then if you could go back and do it all over again? I've had a couple of learnings along the way, which, which I'll share. Um, so, you know, number one, I, I do, I loved every minute that I was at LinkedIn. My 10 years were so powerful, but, you know, I, I, in hindsight, and it got me to where I am today. And, you know, I was hired by Pendo because of that experience, but I also kind of, I, I really believe in diversifying your experiences. I'm, I'm a believer in a, a broad base allows you to grow high or grow tall. I guess that's a better way to phrase it. And when I think about you know, my experience at LinkedIn, I was very lucky to be able to have a broad range of experiences there and to feel challenged every day. But, you know, I just would encourage everyone kind of don't, don't get comfortable, don't get complacent. The broader of a base you have, the more you bring to the next role that you enter, the more diversified your experience are, the more perspectives you have to bring different ways of doing things that, you know, you may not have if you keep a very strict linear career path. And I know everybody wants to grow and get up the ladder, but there is value in broadening and diversifying your, your experience set. Secondly, I would say with the right people on the bus, you can do anything. And so (laughs) if, 
like two things there. One, if you're questioning whether someone's the right person, then they're probably not the right person. And you kind of owe it to yourself, the team and the business to act quickly. And then secondly, if you find the right person for the bus, and even if you don't have the perfect seat for them, they probably can do a lot of other things. And so really continuing to, you know, invest in them and put them in different roles that are going to stretch and grow them. I think that that, you know, is, is just another key learning for me. And I think something that can drive a tremendous amount of value for a leader. And then thirdly, and this kind of gets back to the conversation that we had before, Rosalyn, about, you know, the number of women in kind of, you know, senior level executive tech sales roles or revenue roles. Um, it really is, you don't have to know everything. You don't. Mm-hmm. You can learn on the job and everybody learns on the job and you hire great people where you have experience gaps. Um, as long as you have the fundamentals, like you can do a job, but don't hold yourself to that high bar of like, you need to know everything, be able to do everything, have experienced everything on day one. Otherwise you will never put yourself out there. Oh, that's, that is really, really great advice. And I think also, you know, just another point on that, when you join a new company, you also want to learn and grow, right? So you don't want a role where you already know everything about that's right. what you're Why are you going for that role if you already know right. how to do it all, right? If you've been exactly. there, done that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. If anything, you're just going to be bored and be looking for the next adventure. <laughs> well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me, um, Jen. But as we wrap up, and before I let you go, I always ask two things of all the guests. One, what is that one thing about Jen Brannigan that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing you want everyone to know about you? All right. What's the one thing that I would be surprised (laughs) to learn? (laughs) And sometimes they're the same thing, I think, as I was sharing with you earlier. Sometimes it's the same thing. (laughs) Well, I guess this is just one quirky thing about me is like, I'm just in constant motion. (laughs) So I'm not particularly good at relaxing. I I haven't watched, and people always, you know, water cooler talk about like Netflix shows. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I haven't seen a Netflix series in uh, maybe like seven years. (laughs) I mean, whenever I have any bit of downtime, I'm moving. I'm an avid runner. I try to run every day. I try to squeeze in as much tennis as possible. I try to do walking one-on-ones, but I just have a lot of pent-up energy. (laughs) I love to to run. It's like my my therapy. It's my meditation. It's how I organize my to-do lists. And so so that's, that's something about me. And then what's one thing I want everyone to know about me? I guess maybe two things like one I'm hiring <laughs> so yeah always hiring, <laughs> always hiring and so please don't hesitate to reach out and then secondly along a similar theme don't hesitate to reach out if you if you're looking for advice or mentorship you know I, I love to so many people invested in me and I love to invest in others and so I'm always happy to do that oh thank you thank you so much I'm sure you're going to be getting a lot of folks interested in either working with you on your team or at least being part of your sort of your be a mentee or being somebody who can learn from you there's just so much to learn from you so thank you so much for being Jen I just I really really appreciate you know you sharing just your journey your incredible insights and just so much expertise. Like I said, I cannot wait to go back and just listen to a lot of it because it's very inspiring and really just appreciate your time. So thank you. I loved it. Thanks so much. 